Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Timothy Miller of The Bulwark. Before we get rolling, hit subscribe. Give us five stars. Do the thumbs up if you're on the YouTube feed. Uh, the show is killing it. I'll be honest. Like, we're just awesome. And uh, <laughs> things are going super well. But I want more because more is more. Hey, have you gone and read the comments when people rate? They do the little comments. On the Apple podcasts? Yeah. Not recently. I have, Why, Sarah? Recently. Did you? Yeah, did, oh. I know Tim has. And you know how I know Tim has? Because Tim likes to go look and see all the nice things people say about him. And I don't remember when he must. He must have solicited people because oh, yeah. it is JBL. You would hate it. It is just like a long list of people talking about how much they like Tim and occasionally saying that you and I are also okay yes. with a, an occasional person insulting one of us. Yeah. I look. That's right. Well, see, here's the thing is that when you do a show like I do on Sundays, you know, I don't know, Sarah, I, I don't know if you listen to that show as often as you read JVL's newsletter, but sometimes at the very top of it, I tape a little thing and I say, hey, guys, go into the comment section and on your Apple podcast and review us on the Apple podcast app and tell us who you like the best. And if it's me, I would love to see <laughs> your name, my name there. And it seems that that works. Look, so it's totally fair to people like Tim better than me, but anybody who doesn't like Sarah as much as Tim is a monster because Sarah, like Tim, is a great human being. I agree All right. with this. Let's go. Here's another great human being, Liz Forking Cheney. Mm. Uh, Liz Cheney has a book out, and we now have based Liz Cheney with laser eyes sitting on the skull of thrones and diamond hands, all of the memes. And it's amazing. It's everything that we hoped it could have been. Tim, would you like to go first? Well, not quite everything that we hoped it could have been. I mean, she could have been Speaker of the House or something right now rather than uh, in exile. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, the, we only have one excerpt from the book. I'm excited to devour more. And uh, I think that there are going to be a lot of, a lot of solid anecdotes uh, from, from Liz. I, I, I was most intrigued by her comment about wee little Kevin McCarthy going down to Mar-a-Lago to uh, see Donald Trump and how mad Liz was at him. And Liz was like, Sarah looking at us when we start making dick jokes on the podcast and like shaking her finger at him. And Kevin was like, well, I mean, poor little Donnie Trump was sad. He was sad. He needed somebody to cheer him up. And they asked me to come down and cheer him up. Like these people are so stupid. And you can just, you can just sense Liz's contempt for them through the pages, which I appreciate. I mean, we all kind of knew this, but since she's on the inside, I, she really exposes how weak the Republican Congress people are, right? And and just how pliable they are. And the fact that like there were so many of them that like said that they were going to do the right thing and then just folded like a cheap suit. And so I, I do enjoy I do enjoy that. But, you know, those those are just some of my favorite things from the Liz Cheney book excerpts. Here's one. He knows it's over, McCarthy said. He needs mm. to go through all the stages of grief. Mm. <laughs> what stage are we in right now, would you say? Bargaining still? When the We're California Republican went on Fox News the same day, he said, President Trump won this election, Cheney writes. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. McCarthy being very, very concerned that he, he went down, he went down to Mar-a-Lago to, he was worried that Mr. President, Mr. Trump wasn't eating. You might be depressed. Yes. Because the, Donald Trump seems like a guy who who really misses meals when he is feeling feeling 
bad. The only person who was ever president and didn't look different by the end, which just sho- which shows <laughs> you how, true. you know how little <laughs> that he you know carried the weight of the office. Um, anyway, Sarah, what did you have? Do you have a fave? I was going to say the thing JBL just said about him not eating, uh, which I thought was funny. That was some nice color. You know, she retells the anecdote that I've always really liked about what's his face from Ohio, uh, Jim Jordan. Almost, yeah, going. Like, like we need to get the women out of the aisle, like being sort of like macho and she's like starts swearing at him and being like, you did this. This is your effing fault. I love that. Look, Mitt Romney's got the book doing sort of a very similar thing here, which is just it's just an exposure of the hypocrisy. And I think that what's interesting from almost like a tribal standpoint is the way that these guys feel the need to kick these people out of the tribe as quickly as possible because they hold up the mirror and because they expose their truth. And so like, that's why they can't be there. Like they cannot be around somebody they know is right and correct and is saying it out loud. You know who is not like that? Uh, My other favorite anecdote from this chapter, Nancy Pelosi. If you would have told me 10 years ago that in an old age, Nancy Pelosi would be, you know, I would just have a gained like a Nancy Pelosi appreciation. I would have, my husband's really doing I told you so's if he listened to this podcast, which he doesn't. So I can, I can speak freely about how much I like Nancy Pelosi now. Um, but Cheney writes that Pelosi's team pulled together a list of the 10 worst things I had ever said about her. Okay, now this was when Nancy Pelosi decided that Liz should take kind of more of a public role in the January 6th hearings, that it makes more sense politically to have a Republican out front. You know, the little progs that work for Nancy Pelosi were all, were all nervous. So they, they thought maybe it was a mistake to put somebody like Liz Cheney up front. Pelosi takes a look at the list, handed it back to the staffer and asked, why are you wasting my time with things that don't matter? <laughs> <laughs> would only have been better if it ended with you little bitch <laughs> thank you nancy pelosi you know just under fire and at the capitol showing poise a lot more poise than chuck schumer in that video by the way that uh, was released showing a lot of poise when under fire and then when you know when her team tries to get petty about bringing liz cheney on board you know pelosi says no i, I really I, I think that that is it feels obvious to us at the bulwark that Liz Cheney should have been had a public face in the January 6th committee. But you could imagine a different type of Democratic leadership where that would have been true. Or, or frankly, you could imagine this from, you know, my Kevin. Because think of the pressure actually in the moment, because they are sure that Trump's done actually right after right. January, right? And actually, like, they think maybe we can get him. And if you remember back to the first impeachment, how much sort of like grandstanding it was and how it did kind of make stars out of some of the people who were running the impeachment, who were getting up and giving their speeches. And so to give it over to the Republicans, put them front and center, you can see how people who are close to her would get mad about that. They're like, no, we want to be the ones to make this case. And she understood both the optics and the politics of it. And also, I think, like, how much more viscerally Liz and Adam felt about this and like how doggedly they were going to pursue it in ways that when it's just politics, you can let things fall away. Like my guess is, is that Liz Cheney was like probably like a monster taskmaster <laughs> during the January 6th hearings and good honor, right? Like, I'm sorry, this was a job for Republicans. And just to I really put a finer point on, on, I think, an important observation you made is the political context of the time, right? Like, the, like not everybody was like JVL 
who realized that Donald Trump was going to rise from the grave. You know, uh, many people thought that he was done. Another anecdote from the book drives us home, right? Mitch McConnell did not act like Nancy Pelosi did. I like, like where like I Mitch, am. Like, yeah, this is what Mitch, Mitch says to her. Yeah, I, I like where I am. I am on impeachment. Yeah, he had initially said that he was going to impeach. And then he, you know, went with his middle ground thing where he says mean things about Don Trump on the floor and then votes to, you know, keep his political career alive. But one of the rationalizations for that was the what's the downside for humoring him rationalization, right? Like Mitch McConnell and all of his savvy thought he was done, right? And so it wouldn't be hard to imagine that Nancy Pelosi might have thought that too. Maybe she did at the time. Maybe she thought, oh, but we're, this is still, you know, we still need to make the strongest cases, still the right thing to do. And you can see how one of her staffers who, who lived in West Wing fantasy politics might have thought, oh my goodness, we're elevating somebody that could be a threat. Like right now, this seems ridiculous, right? I know Liz Cheney was defeated in a primary. But at the time, you're elevating somebody from the other conference who you know who you might think of as more of a political threat than the MAGA wing, right? And you're giving her this huge platform. And to just not you know consider any of that, right? And just make sure that the strongest case was being put forth. It was not as obvious as it seems right now. It was a meaningful choice by her, and it was, and it just shows in stark contrast to Mitch McConnell making the exact opposite disastrous choice, which is a big, which is really the only reason why we're here right now is Mitch McConnell's disastrous choice. Look, we've said this a hundred times, but I feel like we should say it every single time we talk about her. The courage that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger showed is so tremendous that the country really does owe a debt to them. And like, like I know, you know, there are a handful of progressives who get angry about that. They're like, well, she voted for Trump and she realized too late. And yeah, okay, fine. I agree. But, but she realized, and when she realized, like it isn't that she just like, you know, gave a background quote to Politico. Right. Like what she and, and Kinzinger did was absolutely stunningly courageous. And honestly, one of the reasons that I am so down and depressed, the prospect of Trump winning again, because <laughs> I think it's, you know, at least as likely to happen as not, is that if Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger's sacrifice on this was for nothing, then like, what is this country even doing? You know, like, I, and that, that really bugs me. We found a new name for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is this country even doing? I agree, and it's in contrast to other people who did the right thing, like Anthony Gonzalez. Right again, I, yeah. again, this is not a this is not a criticism really of Anthony Gonzalez. He voted to impeach. He decided that he had a young family and it wasn't worth the bullshit. And he went back to Ohio. Okay, it's better than a lot of other people acted. Yeah, but 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 there were two people that said no. Like we need to treat the accusations we are making against Donald Trump with the seriousness that the accusations merit. Right. Yeah. And that's been the th that's been the refreshing thing the whole time. Right. And this gets into, you know, the kind of people that we'll talk about in segment two. Right. This idea is that you can't say this guy's a fucking lunatic and then be like, well, maybe, though, her actions matched the words that so many people have used against Donald Trump and then and then not done anything. Yeah, I've never exchanged even so much as an email with with Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger. It's not like they're they're buddies of mine. I just think that what they did was phenomenally courageous and the best sort of thing that we expect from America and patriots. And uh, I'm grateful to them. And I think we all ought to be. Adam and I are buddies, but I've only met Liz Cheney the one time. And I literally had, I'm probably speaking out of school, but whatever. He didn't tell me it was off the record. I had a book author message me the other day and says, hey, I'm working on a book. 
And uh, I was referred to an exchange you had with Liz Cheney in Arizona. I was like, oh, yeah, I did see Liz Cheney one time in Arizona. He's like, what happened? And uh, he was like, apparently you were saying that she needs to go out and do more. And she was saying, you don't need to worry about my resolve. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that conversation. But though it sounds like a thing that I would say, and it sounds like a thing that Liz Cheney would say. So <laughs> you can. Include it if you want, <laughs> but um, I think that uh, I think the context was that I was speaking to what you were saying about about the actions, right? Matching this is like my, it was at the time when she was, I think, speaking out. But, but we we're coming up in the midterms, and I was like, "You like, look, there are all these Secretary of State races out there. You should, you know, like endorse the non deniers." And again, again, just as in the Pelosi situation we were talking about. She did it, and at the time, that didn't seem as clear. There were people telling her she maybe shouldn't do that. She had her own private, you know. And every time since the moment that she stood up, she's answered the bell. Tara, do you want to? Uh, no, I agree with that. Uh, here's the thing. I guess I'm trying to decide whether I want to introduce this whole deviation on this subject. But, like, it actually is to this question about how does Liz sort of best leverage her voice in this moment. And obviously writing this book is good, and I can often be critical of some of the, like, ex-folks who write books. But I think one of the things that's different about what Liz is doing, um, and Adam has a book, too, and Mitt Romney, right, is they are telling the inside story. Um, and yet, I still don't think those are the best ways to deploy. Like, it's good, right? It's good for her to get these anecdotes out. It exposes them all to the good. Just the question is, is, like, what does Liz Cheney do next? How does she try to defeat Donald Trump? One of the things that's really complicated about this moment is Tim was talking about the progressives who still kind of hold it against her, like Don Winslow or somebody who just like <clears throat> relentlessly is pumping out stuff being like, here's what she said about abortion and here's what she said about this. And what's disappointing or I don't kind of know what to do with is what is the role for Liz Cheney next? Like if she were to go to Biden and say, I want to endorse you, I want to get out on the trail with you, does that help Biden? Maybe in some districts, yes. maybe in some places. It hurts him in California and helps him in Pennsylvania, which is a good trade. Are you worried it hurts him in what, with the, in Rashida Tlaib's district in Michigan or something or in mm -hmm. Ann Arbor? No, with progressives, considering that, you know, they think that she's a warmonger. I just, I actually think that our narrow view on this is quite narrow. And I think could see how somebody like Liz, right? I think this is where the third party fantasies sort of come together is this idea of like, but Liz Cheney could be a third, you know, she could be, what about Liz Cheney? I would vote for Liz Cheney. People in our world say things like that. And it's easy to convince yourself that there is a sort of co- I know what to do. What? Oh, yo, she becomes a Democrat? Kamala Harris steps down from the ticket. <laughs> yeah. Replaced by Liz Cheney explicitly as mm -hmm. a Republican. And it becomes unity a national unity ticket to face the threat of Donald Trump. So this is, look, look. This is my point, this though. This is Aaron is like, Sorkin. Is that, is that, Tim, I, just rule on Aaron this. Sorkin working with me here. Why? Bill just, why, Bill why just appeared onto the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> why is it great? Look, John McCain wanted to do this, right? John McCain in 2008 was dying to run with Joe Lieberman as his running mate. And he didn't. And, you know, we all know how that worked out. But I don't know. Joe Biden is losing this election right now. And I am sorry, but it's simply facts. And uh, something has to change. And oh, if we're going to make this. I thought this was a this... joke. You're not, you're joking. You were serious with that suggestion? This is, I'm telling you, he gets no. like this. Uh, okay, no. Look, this is, I every mean, once in a while. Uh, okay, okay, Joe Biden. All right. 
right, every hey, once in a while. Joe Biden Look, is just 81. Work with me here for five seconds. No, I can't work with you for five seconds. Joe Biden is 81. He cannot name a Republican as his vice president. That would be an it would be an absolute just National total pan, pan Look, a, governments apoplectic do this all the response. time in times of crisis, right? Parliamentary governments yeah, have okay. formed unity governments in times of you're, crisis. You're one Joe Biden slip from Liz Cheney being a being from Dick Cheney's daughter becoming the president of the United States. JBL. Is that bad? Please stop. Please stop. Is that bad? J- I'm sorry. I'm just like, we are going to have to endure so much of this, is my point. This was the point I was <laughs> going to have to qu- Am I going to have to quit the bulwark and go back into working for Super PACs? There is one. Yes, Liz Cheney can help. She should endorse him. And they, I'm. Sh- I'm I bet she will in the end after Secretary there's a period of, of all this kind of nonsense. And, and yes, she can go, to, she can <laughs> go into Atlanta defense. and they can run ads in Atlanta and they can run ads in the Philly suburbs. And yeah, Attorney matters. General. And no. And there could be there are plenty of reasons why college kids might not turn out for Joe Biden. And we saw the very scary polls about what they think about inflation. And and we we watch TikTok. I do at least. So we know that they have very pro Osama bin Laden views about <laughs> Israel. So, so like there are many reasons to be concerned about young people not turning out for Joe Biden. Liz Cheney endorsing Joe Biden with no promise of any role in the next administration and running ads in Atlanta is only a net plus. And it isn't even worth hand wringing over. It's an obvious net plus. There we go. So she should do that. And he should. And why not as VP? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> All right. Hey, All kids right. Have in we done enough Liz Cheney? You never know. What's third in line? Secretary of State. Straightforward from here. Keep Kamala on the ticket. Get the young people <laughs> get the young people out to vote. I'm right. just saying there's gonna be a ton of Liz Cheney for president, third party establishment media chatter for the next That's absurd. Mark my words. Sure, I know. There's a lot of dumb stuff in the establishment media. This is why if, people come here. If Cheney says no, that's ridiculous. Doesn't that actually even help tamp down some of the no labels mansion stuff too? Right? If she says running as a third party would be helping Donald Trump, would. as people are asking her to run third party, isn't that also helpful? That if would. she does that, if she does that, yeah. um, that would be awesome. And she's on a book tour next week, so I'm sure someone's going to ask her. About um, she's going to get asked every single time. And here's the thing, JVL. I think we'll see. I think we'll see. I think it's hard. Anytime somebody get, gets asked the question, are you thinking about running for president, for them to be like, nope, and stop asking me. I think people kind of like to leave the door open. Pretty easy for me. Nope. I'm not going <laughs> to run for president. No one's going to ask you to run for president. Please stop asking me. The commenters on the, the next level People in the comment, iTunes reviews are all saying that yeah, Tim should be yeah, president. Several people in the iTunes reviews want me to run for president, and I appreciate your support, but I will not be running. Thank you. All right. Tim, do you have a, a special message for the people? I do. I have a really special message because we all live busy lives these days and we can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because we had a few drinks the night before. Zbiotics pre-alcohol is the answer we've all been looking for. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. JVL, maybe if you'd been a PhD scientist, you could have come up with this. Um, here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make Zbiotics pre-alcohol your first drink of the night, not your last. Drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. 
I got to tell you, I don't know if you know this about me. I have some buddies like to enjoy a good night on the town. So before Zbiotics came to us for a sponsorship, I'd already received some in the mail. Some got sent to me by some friends of mine, like to go out to concerts, like to have a good time. And they said, hey, Tim, I know you like to produce a lot of content. I know you got to wake up in the morning and do podcasts, give the people what they want. If case you're going to a concert the night before, try one of these Zbiotics before you go out and you'll enjoy it. Highly recommend. It does as advertised. Before December 14th, this holiday season, give your friends and family a gift they will actually want and use with Zbiotics. Go to zbiotics.com slash next level to get 15% off your first order when you use next level at checkout. Zbiotics is backed with 100% money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash next level and use the code next level at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and for the good time that we had by all. Okay, so we have Liz Cheney behaving like a grown-up and a patriot, and then we have Chris Sununu. <laughs> Is he not acting like a patriot and a grown-up? So uh, Chris Sununu, who once upon a time said that Donald Trump would absolutely not be the nominee who then said that he, he had a clear path to the Republican nomination. He mm. being himself, Chris Sununu, but that was choosing not to because he could thought he could have even more influence as the sitting governor and not being in the campaign has now reconciled himself to Donald Trump probably being the nominee and said, uh, look, am I going to, Am I going to support him? Well, I am a Republican. So, you know, of course. Bum, 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 bum. And uh, I guess that just means that whoever's wearing the jersey, you have to vote for them no matter what. Jeffrey Dahmer is the Republican nominee. I'm sorry, dude. I'm a Republican. What do you want me to do? I don't have any free will. This is, you know, I, this is all predestined. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. So you uh, used to, you did not, he was not St. Larry levels with you, but you liked Chris Sununu once upon a time. Yeah. Look, I like all the moderate Republicans. These were my people. And some of them, in fact, most of them have disappointed me at depths I can't even articulate. Uh, but let me just tell you why the Sununu stuff is so bad. Um, and I think I've made this point before, but it is one thing for Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and then a bunch of known, Steve Daines, who nobody knows who that is, and all these people to rush out. and endorsed Donald Trump. Mike Johnson, who also worked with him to overturn the election. Okay. We expect that. The permission structures that get built by somebody like a Chris Sununu signals to normies their favorite way of rationalizing Donald Trump, which is, well, Democrats are worse. I couldn't possibly vote for Joe Biden because I'm aware of all of Donald Trump's flaws and Joe Biden's worse. But what's crazy about this is that it's like, just after Sununu says, yes, of course, Trump versus Biden, I go with Trump. Trump tweets, like, the most insane thing about how he would utilize the government to shut down MSNBC and, like, a insane attack on free speech, American values. I mean, this is a guy who said he wanted to dismantle the Constitution. Terminate. Terminate, Terminate the, Constitution, the Constitution. Obviously did a coup. I mean, so Chris Sununu is in a category of, like, so... If you take Larry Hogan, Larry Hogan is saying he is doing, I think, harm with the third party stuff because he's equating sort of an equivalency. And I think that's bad. It is even worse 
though, what Chris Sununu is doing, which is to not say they are equivalent, but that Trump is preferable based on what? And this is where, to me, things become so, so clear because it's just like the policy. What like what is it that Chris Sununu? Okay, so we don't share many of Joe Biden's policy views. We certainly don't share the policy views of some of the progressive base of the Democratic Party. And yet, the idea that Donald Trump would be preferable to Joe Biden is like the most insane thing. And so anyway, uh, Chris Sununu, I want to swear at you, but I won't because I'm the nice one on this podcast. It's even more insane than you're saying because this loyalty is unidirectional. Yeah. Chris, look, I could understand it if Chris Sununu was like, well, I got to do this because uh, I'm going to be the presidential nominee in 2028 or, well, you know, because I I got a treasury. Know, the, the Republican Party hates Chris Sununu, right? The, the, Donald Trump hates Chris Sununu. The Republican voters are never going to let him anywhere near power ever again because they hate him because he's not loyal to Donald Trump. And yet Chris Sununu thinks that he's got a like stick. I don't understand it. And this is one of the real differences between Liz Cheney and the Chris Sununus of the world, of which there are many and very few Liz Cheneys. Is that Liz Cheney was able to see the world clearly. She was able to perceive reality clearly. And Chris Sununu just lives in this fantasy land. Yeah, I've got a message for Chris Sununu because he is in a fantasy land and I don't think that he... I real I genuinely think that Chris Sununu is misguided and believes because uh, you didn't say at the top. We should say I, I think we're on the cusp of Chris Sununu endorsing. I, I assume Nikki Haley. He hasn't said, but but great. You Good know, for he him. Indicated that he's going to endorse someone and they're going to campaign really hard in New Hampshire. And I and I do I think that Chris Sununu he's probably fooling himself, but he's fooled himself into thinking that by keeping his street cred as a Republican. He can endorse Nikki and make a difference to help her and that that's the thing that he can do that best helps stop Donald Trump. And I'm here to look Chris Sununu in the eye and say, wrong, wrong. What you are actually doing right now is helping Donald Trump more than Vivek, more than Vivek, more than Lauren Boebert, more than Marjorie Taylor Greene. What Chris Sununu is doing right now is the thing that Donald Trump could most use which is get air cover from people that feel normal to help create, as Sarah said, that permission structure to get Wall Street Journal reading Republicans comfortable with voting for Donald Trump again over Joe Biden, to get the same people we were talking about in the last segment, the, the Atlanta suburbs dads, the Buckhead dads, you know, who voted for Mitt Romney, the, like, in the way that Liz Cheney can influence them to vote for Joe Biden, Chris Sununu can speak to them. There are not many of these people. They are on the margins, and the margins matter, and the margins matter in these key states. And what Chris Sununu is doing by calling Donald Trump a fucking insane person, by endorsing Nikki Haley, and then by turning around and saying, well, I tried my best. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump now. If he was trying to help Donald Trump win, that is the best thing that he could do to help him. Like, honestly, because if he had just endorsed Trump, then he'd be nobody. Then he, then, then nobody talked about it. He just endorsed Trump. He'd just be another one of these, you know, schmoes who's got come along for Donald Trump. But but if he wants to to help influence the swing voters to vote for Donald Trump, then then he's doing the thing that, that would be the most helpful to him. So I, I, I genuinely think that he has convinced himself that he is helping his own career, but also you know, in his own little way, stop Trump. He is not. 
He's helping Donald Trump. If you know Chris Sununu, please send this to him and let him know. Maybe he won't care, actually. Maybe he wants Donald Trump to win. I don't I don't fucking know Chris Sununu from Adam, so maybe he won't care. But the but the, at least at least he could work from the accurate information. And 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 I think that there are a lot of people in his ear telling him that this is the best thing you can do. You can you save your influence, you keep your influence this way, you stay in the mix, you know, and you can help nudge the party. All of his consultants are telling him that, and those consultants are fucking selfish and they're wrong, and people should be in his ear telling him that no, actually what he's doing is helping Donald Trump. If Chris Sununu can take Nikki Haley from a 1 in 10,000 shot to a 1 in 1,000 shot, then that is helpful so long as he is not also like increasing Trump's odds of beating Biden by like 1%. Even 0.1%. Even moving it from 49.8 to 49.9 is, is right. much more significant. Your help for Haley can't come at the expense then of like – helping to normalize and then help elect Trump in the general. That's that's what these guys don't seem to understand. Like, Yeah, which is one of the big I, – I think that there is going to be a moment that is going to be sort of deja vu-ish but also like deeply heartbreaking. I can see it this happening for me where Nikki Haley makes like a decent run, you know, better than we probably thought out of the gate, right? She becomes the – just DeSantis just sucking so hard. She – she she's getting in the 30s like and we get a little hopeful sometimes every now and then i squint and i can see it and i get a little hopeful before i like tell myself the truth again then there's going to be this moment where nikki haley endorses donald trump after he's the nominee and where chris sununu does it like chris christie won't but like a bunch of people will and they're going to give that permission structure again and they're going to do it this time this is the thing i just think people forget that like when you say, well, Adam Kinzinger voted for Trump in 2020 or Liz Cheney voted for Trump in 2020, those are bad. I think we had a lot of information at that point to say that Trump was utterly disqualified from being president again, but he hadn't done the coup yet. He hadn't refused to leave office. And so the extent to which you could rationalize that to me is like the most deep and pathetic. And that's what they're all going to do. It is what they're all going to do. My rage, I've been like trying not to write about this because I like I want my rage to bubble and curdle all the way up to the moment it actually happens so I can really fully spill it out onto my Google document when it actually happens rather than rather than pre-raging. Um, but it is going to happen, and I'm, I'm going to be very upset with all those people. I'm going to give you a stern finger wag. Uh, one other thing, we had a little bulwark debate this morning about the Haley uh, momentum. And and I, you can squint and see her coming back. And I and and I feel like I need to do the wind up every time, which is like, and I hope I hope she comes back. And I hope I'm wrong. And I don't really like Nikki Haley because she is going to endorse Donald Trump. And I would vote for Joe Biden over Nikki Haley, but she'd be a million times better than Donald Trump. And so it would be great if I'm wrong about this. But the thing is that like what you just said, Sarah, about then I come back to reality is like that's all fine and well and good to do and say, and it's fine to want to support her. And and if the Cokes want to spend millions of their largesse to help her, good on them. I haven't actually seen it yet. I and mean, they've spent some, but they put out a big memo. I, I think it probably would have been helpful to just spend the money and not put out the memo. But okay, that's a nitpick. Uh, if they want to, they spend can do some minutes, ads about how smart she is on on immigration and how businesses need more immigration. This is where I'm. This is where I'm going. <laughs> Here's the thing that I just, I I really that that still for some reason has not sunk in with people. And and I'm just going to keep saying it, and maybe it'll sink in eventually. The Republican Party voters have looked at the policy agenda that the Koch network has offered, and they have rejected it with 
just the with utter derision. Like they haven't just kind of rejected it. They haven't just said, oh, you know, it's not our cup of tea. They have said, I spit on you. You are disgusting. The old school globalist open borders, corporate tax cuts, Republicans are like worse than everybody except for like Rashida Tlaib, right? Vermin. For, for the Republican base. They are vermin, all right? And and, and so that's just where we're at. Like, there, are there still some Republicans out there? Sure. Is there still a quarter of the party or 25% or what, 20% or 30? I don't know. Yeah, sure, sure. There's still some people, you know, my dad's still out there. He's still reading the Wall Street Journal, you know, like, like these people still exist. But like the party has looked at the Kochs for cycle after cycle after cycle and rejected them. The types of the, there are people that were attracted to that message that have left the party. There are people that used to be attracted to that message that have changed their mind because Donald Trump has uh, polluted their mind um, and they've joined a cult. And, and so the numbers of people that agree with that have gone down within the party on on both sides. Okay. And they just, they don't matter. So if the Cokes, though, want to try to do something different and run a bunch of ads that's like Donald Trump's a loser, Donald Trump's an idiot, like Donald Trump, you know, Nikki Haley would beat Joe Biden by by 10 points. And and I, I, I don't know, I, they can test all the messages they want. If they want to try this, that's fine. But like announcing that big rich people that are immigration doves are supporting your candidacy is actually a net loss for your candidacy. It's, it actually hurts her. So maybe they'll do it. I hope that they do the right thing. Maybe it'll make a difference on the margins. But like, you know, you have to realize what is actually happening among Republican Party voters. Are they going to spend money to help Biden in the general if Trump is the nominee? No, of course not. Why not? Again, I, I don't. You're right. Sure I'm, I'm, I, I know that they're, I'm going to get in trouble because I know there are people involved in this that have their hearts in the right place. And so at running ads against Trump is a net good. But why are they not going to do it? Because my assessment is that this is a face safe. That's why you put out the memo. It's like, hey, we're signaling. We do not, I'm sure Charles and whatever, we do not like Donald Trump. And so we're going to tell people we're going to run ads against him. That's better than not doing it. Doing it 10 months ago would have been better than doing it now. But this is not a genuine effort to to do everything possible to stop Trump. That's not what this is. So I'm going to take the counter position on this. So number one, 10 months ago, I think they were spending money, maybe not 10 months ago, but like five or six months ago, they were spending money that was kind of the way a bunch of us who were trying to figure out how do you find any cracks in this primary, right? How do you make an argument? And you have sort of an anybody but Trump with that big field. You're like, okay, anybody but anybody but Trump. So how do we create space to sort of open this up? And I don't think that's a crazy thing for them to do. What they're doing right now that to me is different and that I don't think they could have done any earlier is they're backing someone. And I agree with you on the voters. That's sort of like a separate thing. But let's just take for a second a consolidation of the donor class. Like it's not like just Charles Koch is going to spend money. There is like a massive network behind him that he's going to move. It's going to create a permission structure for the Ken Griffins of the world and a bunch of other people who were DeSantis people. To And so, like, to the extent that the undercard race has always been about Donald Trump's eventually going to get a one-on-one contest, and who is that going to be, right? For me, Nikki Haley being the alternative is so much better than it being Ron DeSantis. Uh, And I also think that we should acknowledge, like, that the Kochs are sublimating some of the things that do matter to them. Like they are, talk about doves, they're foreign policy doves, right? They don't want, they don't support Nikki Haley's view of foreign policy, 
but they have decided they could get back DeSantis. But I think they don't think DeSantis is good. And they think his attacks on free speech and his effort to use the government in ways and his all his additional anti-democratic behavior, like them getting behind Nikki and moving the whole donor class there. Now, it could be fantasy politics, but like, isn't this what we ask people to do? Isn't this what we desperately want out of some members of the Republican Party? To me, I don't want to criticize them for doing what I think is like objectively the right thing. I may agree with you down the road that like the fact that people who believe that Trump is this existential threat to democracy are willing to break protocol and go this hard in a primary, but then not do something in a general, like that will frustrate me as well to no end. But like, this is to me unequivocally good and the right thing. And this idea that like it hurts Nikki, that's like maybe, but it's sort of like the argument you gave to me about Liz Cheney with Joe Biden. It's like, well, she's got to consolidate from somewhere. Uh, and she's sort of got to start with those move on from Trumpers and like the old school Republicans. And the Cokes do have, they've got like a door knocking apparatus. They've got a huge ground game. They do have data. So I don't know. I just don't think it's nothing. I Like, I agree with you that at the end of the day, part of the problem is that the old establishment donor class doesn't understand what's happened to voters. They just do not comprehend what's happened to the party. But that to me doesn't negate the fact that like this is an unequivocal good and they're doing the right thing. I guess I do agree with the part that I would rather them spend the money to help Nikki Haley than not. I do agree with that. So I guess that's a net good. I guess you put it that way. My point is that my critique is of the meta variety of the analysis of this, which is which like continues to miss you bring Ken Griffin on. Like there's an entire cottage industry of reporters that are like do Ken Griffin whispers and Ken Griffin likes the attention and there's a political article and it's like Ken might move from Ron DeSantis to Nikki Haley or Ken might sit it out or Ken might, it's like, it doesn't fucking matter what Ken does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Jeb, we spent a hundred million. Like DeSantis had 200 million. Like, like, what, 100 million is going to help Nikki? How much are these people going to spend? Are they going to spend 2 billion? Okay, well, let's spend 2 billion. I, I thought, okay, maybe that'll do a difference. The voters do not like these people, and their ads do not matter because Donald Trump is leading a cult, and they've spent eight years sitting on their hands while the, the people got deeper and deeper into this cult and were fed propaganda, right? And so, like, so again, is it good? Yeah. Does it matter on, on balance, like on a tiny little sliver? Sure. Does it matter? No. Because these, be nice because if they save like half the cash for the general. That's all. Yeah, where it could matter. That's where it could matter. That's like that is that is my point. And so it's fine. Do it. But I just like this. Oh, you know, we need to write an article. I, I just it feels so 2011 to me. That's like, oh, we need to have a political article and it's on Drudge and we're going to have cable segments about what Ken Griffin or Charles Koch are going to do. The Republican Party hates these people. They hate them. So like, do it. Oh, don't do it. Do whatever you feel is right in your conscience. And I, and I hope that you spend the money in the general too. And I think it's going to be fine for them to do it. But I just like acting like it's a big deal, I think is wrong. This episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. In case you missed it, HelloFresh is so much more than delicious dinners. HelloFresh can help take the hassle out of every mealtime occasion with easy breakfasts, quick lunches, and snacks all delivered along with your weekly box. Everyone wants to cut back on errands and spending time in checkout lines this time of year. 
So skip that extra grocery store trip and instead get fresh ingredients and delicious recipes delivered with HelloFresh. Just pick your meals, decide on a delivery date, and sit back. We actually did one of our HelloFresh meals like two days ago. The ingredients are really quite fresh. It was good. Like, I'm sorry, it was just and it good fed food. all nine of your children? One, one <laughs> all, delivery order? All 11 of them, yes. All 11 children, wow. Yes. One delivery order. Um, did, how, how did you ration They were enormous boxes. <laughs> Multiple it's boxes. It's a lot of food. It is, it's like, it is no, a it's very large. When, you, when you're ordering for family, because they ask you, like, how many people? And, you know, you know, we were like, oh, six people. And we got two ginormous boxes. It's very good. And I don't like cooking. Did you have to protect it from the bear? I know there are a lot of bears oh. running through New York City, and you have that one bear that you see in your backyard. We do have a we do have a bear in our our right by Central Park. And, uh, <laughs> it's so, escape from the zoo. Yeah, so we did we did uh, we did a tortellini salad, uh, which was delicious, and taquitos. I don't even like cooking, and I thought that this whole thing was was great. I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add. We did the taquitos; they were really good. Yeah, and there was a really lot good. of them. Go to HelloFresh.com slash the next level free and use the code the next level free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash the next level free with code the next level free. I didn't even know we had that great deal. This is news to me. I didn't read. I didn't read the ad script closely enough. That is exciting. It's a quite good deal. Mark Cuban made a little bit of news this week. He sold off part of his stake in the Mavs. The majority stake. The the majority stake. Did he sell off all of his? Because he still is making. He's still in charge of the team. I think. Right? Yeah, he cut a deal with Miriam Adelson. Yeah. Um, you might know her. Sheldon's uh, Sheldon's widow. Sheldon's widow. And uh, the Las Vegas Sands cut a deal with them. Um, and uh, Miriam and the Adelson family is now the majority owner of the Dallas Mavericks basketball squadron. As part of the deal, uh, Mark Cuban is still in charge of day-to-day operations, or he cut some deal that allowed him to, to still have control over the you know the basketball programming. What else? He did something else, didn't he? He also left the Shark, Shark Tank. Tank. Oh, he left Shark last Tank. Last season. So he's so, out of Shark uh, Tank, and he sold the Mavericks. That's interesting. Obviously... Everybody immediately jumps to so he's running as a third party, right? This is this is the the thing. Do you guys have thoughts on that? I mean, my thoughts Sarah, are you like, look like you want to gouge your eyes out. The <laughs> amount of third party chatter we are going to have to endure for such mm-hmm. a long time. This was my point before about Liz Cheney. It's just like we're about to be in a Liz Cheney third party news cycle. Uh, because she's got a book and like everyone's going to ask her. And then we're going to, now we're in more, well, simultaneously, I guess, being in a more Cuban third party news cycle, along with no labels whenever they do like their weird convention, along with Cornell West and RFK and, and Jill Stein, that lady who always runs uh, on the Green Party ticket. And it's just the worst, all of it. Somebody talk me down on the Mark Cuban thing that he's going to do this uh, because I I think somebody I got some texts last night and I was an unequivocal no. And I have my reasons for that that I might not share. But uh, let's just say I have gone down this third party route before aggressively and talked to many of the names that get floated around in a lot of these cases. And like such uh, as Shark Poobon. Huh? Such as Shark Poobon. I don't, I don't, I don't, even, I, I, I get your joke now, but I'm not, I'm, all I'm saying is like, 
I was told no by a great many people at the time who have showed renewed interest this time, and I don't understand why, since nobody would take on Trump uh, in a Republican primary when it was really necessary back in 2020. I could talk this down a little bit from it. Uh, me and Bill talked about this briefly last night on YouTube. If people check out the me and Bill's Tuesday Night Lives on YouTube, we, I just wait till after he's had a few glasses of wine and kind of get him lubed up. and He starts talking about all of his fantasies. Alcohol, alcohol, Sarah, don't give that face. Do you strap it on to face? Uh, JVL, come on. Oh, that is great. Yeah, that is yucky. This is Bill Crystal is an eminence. How do you say that word? Em, eminence grease. Eminence grease. Eminence grease. Uh, he's. I think he's, I think he's just person that I don't. I don't think respect. the S is. I think it's eminence grease. Yeah, eminence grease. Um. So anyway, after that, I, I, I sent a text just to uh, to one of my friends that is, let's just say, very well acquainted with the mindset of NBA basketball owners and uh, and assorted rich people. He's he's one of the rich people, you know, hangers on. He's not going to like to be called a hangers-on, but you know what I mean. One of the people that uh, you know that works for the very wealthy that that help not our, a that rain, help, that help friend keep is this not capital. the reigning NBA Finals MVP. He's not. It's not Nicole Jokic. Okay. Not an actual okay. basketball player. Sorry, um, but but he understands the mindset of the of the uber rich um, better than I do. Um, obviously, based on my rant in the last segment, and uh, his take was. Uh, that there is some like complicated basketball reasons for why he might be doing this, and that de- and that the Mavericks are interested in creating like a casino outside the stadium, and and by partnering with Las Vegas Sands, like and now Q- and there are certain rules in the NBA, and now Cuban can be the majority shareholder of that, and there's there'll be like a you know, there'll be a new complex in Dallas that's like casino and resort and, you know, it'll be the Las Vegas of the plains. What is, what is, what, what do you call Dallas? Was Dallas in a pl- on a plane? Whatever. Um, and, uh, and that is pop the real, the real reason it's like, is, is, you know, rich guy wanting to get richer, not rich guy wanting to run for president. So that could be, that very well could be though. I, I do feel like while I might not know uber wealthy basketball owners and their motivations that well, I do kind of know the motivations of super narcissists pretty well. And man, I do think it's got a, a lot of these guys are looking in the mirror when they're shaving in the morning right now. And they, they, they turned off morning Joe and on morning Joe, they're having their 19th straight segment about how the polls look bad for Joe Biden. And nobody likes Joe Biden and nobody likes Donald Trump. And nobody wants either of these guys to run. And they look in the mirror and they say, why not me? Why not? Why me? not me? Why not me? And I do, I, I, I do want, I do worry about that a little bit in the Cuban instance. That uh, it might very well just be this mundane casino rationale, but I worry a little bit that there might be a why not me happening. Because this is what happens. Like this is my point about all of them, even ones that aren't super narcissists, even ones that would do it for the right reason, is that there is something deeply intoxicating about a bunch of people coming up to you to be like, you should really be president, and like you get a bunch of like fake consultants to tell you your path and how it could work. And they show you the stupid no-label stuff of like, see, 60% of Americans want an alternative in which in which they are inserting their fantasy candidate, which incidentally is not you, person I'm talking to. But <laughs> Or maybe it is you for 8% of them. But for another right. <laughs> 8%, it's The Rock. And for another 8%, it's Bernie Sanders. And for another 8%, it's Jerry Falwell Jr. Like, it's like, it's, it's, not, a consi- it's not a coherent group of 60 
Yeah. And this is where good old establishment basic me gets really, really annoyed with the establishment of the whispers between the donor class, this like famous person who maybe could be president class and or ex-politician or whatever class. And then the, the media, the media who then is like, I'm so bored with Joe Biden versus Trump that I am going to spend lots of ink talking about musing about these third party candidates. I'm going to get endless calls about these. And my answer, just hear me now, is no to all of them. Is this it's a new not triangle? the triangle of doom. It's just no, no it, But to it's all a new triangle. It's, a heck it's the gun. triangle of doom. vanity. The triangle of vanity. Go trademark that right now, Sarah. That's yours. The answer is no to all of them. Yeah, and I will say, uh, for people that didn't watch the Bulwark Live in D.C., that's up on YouTube right now. I did a, I did a water bottle gimmick. And and Mark Cuban seems like, again, I don't know. I haven't looked at a list of his policy prescriptions. He seems like there's a lot of things. He seems like he hasn't thought about that deeply. But just directionally speaking, Mark Cuban kind of seems like a center centrist neoliberal. And and if we are in a race between Mike Johnson and, and Elon Omar, like I'd probably be gung-ho about Mark Cuban's candidacy, but like that's just not where we're at. And and unfortunately, Mark Cuban, as evidenced by the fact that he voted for Joe Biden and holds Joe Biden's positions on all the major cultural issues, is part of the Joe Biden coalition. <laughs> and um, you know, this is like Sarah gets those calls. I got a couple calls from rich people last time, and my aunt, my first question to them was always, "Okay, tell me a cultural issue that you agree with Donald Trump on." Silence. Right? And it's like. All right. Well, then you're 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 part of the Joe Biden coalition. Call me back. Call me back when you have if you found a rich person that wants to run that can take Donald Trump voters because they think that we should have alligator moats on the border or think that wokeism is the greatest problem facing our society or whatever. Or don't like peaceful transitions of power. Yeah. Do you, do you have anything on Cuban? Because I have one more rant about capitalism really fast, one, if you don't One mind. more. We're running very, very long. Oh, no. So, we're uh, so <laughs> this is, um, you can have your is, rant, but then- This is up you your know, alley. You this move. is a rant about capitalism. Are you ready Ooh, for this? I'm here for that. Nothing turns me into Bernie Sanders more than talking about sports team owners. Okay. Do you know what Mark Cuban, how much Mark Cuban made on the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, you want to guess? I, I know this. Billy. Um, he paid $230 million, I think. And he's sold his stake for two billion? Three point five. Three point five. Three point five yeah. billion. So so the valuation now, I don't know if he actually made three billion. I, I think Mark Cuban was the kind of guy that was probably running operational losses. I'm sure he's writing that off in his taxes, but it's in the billions. I, I can't imagine he took more than a billion in operational losses. So just let's be nice to Mark Cuban and say he made two billion. Twenty years. It's been tw two decades. He's on the team. Twenty years. He made two billion. Like that should be garnished and given back to the people of Dallas, or at least a percentage of that. Like sports teams are not capitalism. Okay, sports teams are not capitalism in a free market. In an act, in actual capital, sports teams are a cartel. There are thirty teams. The head of the league gets to decide who owns them. There are lots of people that want to own them. Anytime a new team comes up, there are the, many, the many people. The owners get to decide who owns yeah. them. It's even worse yeah, the than the, the, the head of the league. Yeah, the, the owners, owners the decide. The owners get to decide. Okay. Yeah. If you were a rich guy in Dallas that made a lot of money inventing a widget or striking oil underneath the ground, and you decided, I don't think Mark Cuban's doing a very good job with his team. The Dallas Mavericks have not won the championship in 10 years now. You can't start a new NBA team in Dallas. You can't no. start like the Dallas Oilmen and compete against against Mark Cuban and 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 join the NBA. It's not like you know you're running a a, a laundromat and you're doing a shitty job. <laughs> like your people's buttons are falling off their shirts, so you can start a competing laundromat across the street. That's how a free market works. This is not a free market. It is a cartel, 
and it is managed by the league and they get all they get tax write-offs for it and and it's a prestige business that that you only get into if members of the club let you in and to make 3 billion off of that like is like is 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 turning me red commie it's turning me red commie and in Denver, and in Den- this rant is especially true because in Denver, we have owners who won't cut a deal with the local TV station. So people can't watch the games on TV. And it's like you, it's like you are given this, like, like this is like being bestowed, being able to be a team owner, you're being bestowed with something. You have an obligation and a responsibility to the community. If you made $3 billion back, uh, that then... I'm sure that you should get to keep some of it. Mark Cuban added some investments. He should be able to write all that off. He did find Dirk Nowitzki. T- what? He did find Dirk Nowitzki. He did, yeah, he did a lot of great stuff. But but like it is that is a crazy amount of money to make for doing nothing. He really didn't he really he could have done nothing and, and made and made most of that money, right? Like it's not he didn't invent anything. He didn't create anything. He just got about 29 other rich guys just picked him to be the lucky number 30. Sarah, do you have a rebuttal? So <laughs> my my business uh, understanding of, of sports is right up there with my regular understanding. Uh, <laughs> not of sports rules, because obviously I played sports, but yeah, like no professional like sports. Like players, just, like if I started li- listing players from the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't actually know what you just told me. I, that was new information to me that Tim just gave about the cartel elements really so you're just taking there's a there's a famous so there's a famous supreme court case about this dating back to major league baseball in which there was an antitrust lawsuit against major league baseball because it is a cartel it's a monopoly and congress carved out an antitrust exemption for baseball and so essentially it is a it is a recognition that professional sports leagues are cartels but they are exempt from antitrust law. On what grounds? On legislative grounds. Like literally just because we, we consider them a, the, the Congress considers Congress it a category it. difference. Congress just says everybody likes their baseball. Uh, so you can't you can't decide to set up literally say I'm going to set up the New York Zephyrs as a competing baseball team with the Yankees and the Mets. You just you can't do that. Uh and that normally would be uh, antitrust behavior, but we're going to say that it's okay for Major League Baseball to do that. This is the law that governs all of professional sports in America. Anyway, congratulations to the Cuban progeny, the kids and grandkids who all get to dine out on this generational wealth forever, uh, even though their dad did nothing really except own the sports team and get to sit courtside and have a great time and then build some new facilities. That's nice. It's all great. It's all good. I, I mean, you know, that's all good. I just, I think maybe some of that money should go back into the community. I don't know. Build some housing or something. That's just me. Maybe I'm a communist now. To be fair, he is going to pay taxes on it, right? Like he's going to pay. Mean, sure. Yeah. Sure, Jan. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see. Well, if he, <laughs> luckily the good news is if Mark Cuban runs for president, I will get to see his tax returns. Oh, no. And, and the no, democracy that's not a might, thing anymore. Remember? Democracy might come to an end yeah, that's when right. Donald you know Trump. To- they don't have to give us their tax returns anymore. Yeah. My guess is there were a lot of losses that they got to write off. But yeah, sure. I'm sure yeah. he paid some taxes on it. Okay. So I before we go, we have this super fan named Holly. Holly! Did you guys see Holly's latest? So she does these like parodies of us. They're She's amazing. got you down. She has me down the best. Like she ends up 
uh, like with Tim, she had to go like full costume. Uh, and so like she's capturing Trump or she's capturing Tim's like essence. But with me, she's doing a literal impression right down to my favorite part was that she was drinking the whole time. Not alcohol, but like I am also in need of constant fluids. Uh, and so she was like drinking. She her vest like she is a perfect is, imitation. She does a like, mm, sure. Right. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, OK. Yeah. Mm, OK. Okay. okay. Fantastic. Just love it. Fantastic. Great Holly, job, love Holly. You. Guys, we will see you on Sunday with the Sunday Next Level. Bye. It's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs>